you don't want bad design work at an agency because that makes the whole agency look bad. That makes your boss look bad. But with freelance, the only person that's gonna look bad is you. So naturally, no one's going to chime in and say like, this looks really bad because it's just you delivering work to the client. You probably don't really wanna hear that. I actually had a dream about this interview where I showed up and just like nothing was working and then like we had to cut multiple times because my camera kept dying and the light died and like by the time it aired they had edited it down to where it was just like me saying like one to two words and then they would cut and it would just be completely different it was just I try to make this not like an interview it was just like a friendly conversation unedited mm. totally raw if I had the budget yeah. I would come to New York to drink actually morning coffee with you I'm not sure are you a morning person or not I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm neither a morning nor a night person. I love the afternoons. Like, that's my thing. Oh, I'd rather sleep the whole day. Yeah, yeah. Man. If I could come to Tel Aviv, I absolutely would. Like, I went there once in 2014 and just, you, you guys have phenomenal food. Like, oh, man. Yeah. wow. And the nicest people, too. Like, it's, it's sometimes wild. depending. Depends, <laughs> yeah. I'm just generalizing. Yeah. <laughs> Good food. Yeah. Nice people. Depends. That depends. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's so awesome. So I was really looking forward for this conversation because, you know, since we started kind of like collaborating on content, we were mainly kind of like talking on videos, ideas, that kind of stuff, but never really yeah. got time to sit down and get to know each other and kind of like hear your story. Do you want to share how you got into design, freelancing, that kind of stuff? Sure. I feel like I've shared this story a million times, not not even necessarily like publicly, but with like recruiters. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, oh, yeah. <laughs> how far back should we go? I've, oh, you're already recruited, so you can just be honest, you know. <laughs> how far back do you want to go? Well, I was always good at painting in the kindergarten <laughs> kind of stuff. <laughs> I think for me, you know, I was never that kid that was like, you know, super into like painting or drawing, like in particular, like I enjoyed them, but I was always frustrated with how difficult they were for me. We'll just skip ahead to like, I was 16 and me and my friends were making home movies and I was like the special effects, like compositing guy. So like I would do the title card sequences or like the credit sequences or like, if they needed like a punch or a gunshot or like lightsabers, like we did that whole thing. And I was doing that stuff. I was like, you know what? This is like what I want to do after high school. Like I want to do special effects. So I went to college for that in San Francisco at the Academy of Art University. I went there for like two years before dropping out because like I was, I was in the special effects course and there was just a lot of like preliminary, you know, you have to do charcoal drawing, you have to do like figure painting and sculpting. And I was just like, yeah, I'm, Oh, I thought we talked about this. I'm not very good at that. And I accidentally took the elevator to the wrong floor one time, like to a different uh, course. And the director was there. And I was like, is this like, you know, web design stuff? And he's like, yeah, it's web design, new media, because product design, like as a term didn't exist yeah. at that point. Interactive or digital. Digital, digital. Yeah, oh yeah, digital. we do the digital stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, it was made fun of too. Like in my major, everyone was like, that's the easy course. And it's like, all right, well, look where I am now. Like living in New York City. What? <laughs> and so I talked to the guy. Where are you from originally, by the way? I'm from Arizona. Arizona. The, awesome. the hottest state in, in the US. Yeah. I talked to the guy and he was like, He's like, yeah, um, you know, this is this is kind of what we do. And I was like, can I switch majors? And he's like, do you know any of this stuff? And and you know, he gave me the the free credits to like kind of jump ahead. And I did that for a year and a half before dropping out because I was just accruing debt. I, I moved back in with my parents in Arizona for for like a year, and I worked like a small retail job, literally folding baby clothes at a Kohl's. And I just really like the whole time I was there, I was just thinking about like, I really want to get back to San Francisco. I really want to keep doing 
this whole web design thing. And so I, I went on, I don't know if you remember Team Treehouse. Yeah, I learned. I like, love them. I love them. It's actually yeah. a sad story what happened there. Oh, I don't know it, actually. Yeah. Okay, but tell me, tell me. Uh, yeah, I, so used, I, I used to look at them not as like with my previous business before Flux Academy, I had the new school and I was really looking yeah. up to what they were doing in terms of education and kind of building career path. So I was really excited about what they're doing. Uh, they ended up, yeah, not working out and they sold oh. or shut down or, or something. I didn't know but, that. Yeah, tell me. But that's, so, that's how like I kind of crawled my way back to SF was like, you know, taking- Did you do like a end. development court or- Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of like picked and choose because I, I learned a little bit in the web design, new media, like courses at, at in college. But with Team Treehouse, I was sort of like skipped ahead. It's like, okay, I know HTML, I know CSS. Like, let's do WordPress dev. So like I did WordPress dev for quite a while doing front end. Um, and then I, I also, you know, would practice design at the same time. And so it was like, all right, what can I do? And I started looking at job listings in SF and I just couldn't find anything until the most, uh, you know, happenstance occasion, just um, I met this guy on a, a, a fashion IRC channel of all places from Mail Fashion oh, wow. on Reddit. <laughs> and his name was Avery Lewis. Um, shout out Avery. He's still around today. He's, he's a really good dude. And he was like, yeah, I work at this agency. And I was basically begging him at this point, like hire me. He would always complain like, Oh, we're like, we're swamped, we're underwater. And I was like, this is what I do. I can do it. Like, take a chance on me. And at one point they decided like, okay, let, you know, let's do it. Like our previous guy dropped out, he left, we'll give him a chance. And so they gave me like a one month trial and I worked on a project. Was it remotely? Were you still in Arizona? Yeah, it was remotely. I worked on this project. I, I can't remember the name of it. They were actually a company that got bought by Twitter and then shut down almost immediately after. I, I did that, like the motion graphics for their app. And I did a little bit of app design and like not even two weeks into the one month trial, they're like, when are you moving? When are you moving out here? And I was like, you got to pay my relocation. And I told them- Are I they told, in San Francisco? Yeah, they were in, they were in uh, downtown San Francisco. And um, so- Oh, wow. The dream comes yeah. true. Their office was uh, actually above a car, car detailing warehouse. And it was like nautical themed, but not in like a weird way in like a, you're actually like in a boat. Like they had a porthole on the side of the the thing that you could like screw and, and open up. It was really I'm imagining cool. like pimp my ride kind of thing. Is that? Is that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just like that. I don't think anybody knows this actually. Which is really? great. It yeah, is. I haven't got to, I haven't gotten to talk about it, but uh, yeah. So, Dude, they, so you had like that sounds like one of these inspirational stories where you have a vision and then you work to it and you achieve. That's actually insane that yeah, you got a job in yeah. San Francisco. And I and I actually um I tweeted at this uh, Webflow designer Ivan last night, and um he was talking he was talking about like how he's like addicted to this game Dota Two, and I was like yeah you know I used to be addicted to Dota Two as well like I had. 1,600 hours in it, which is almost an eight hour a day, full-time job, five days a week for a year, which is just, oh my God. I was so hopelessly addicted. And then right when I learned that I could potentially get back to SF, I dropped it immediately. I was like, I'm not going to play anymore. I want to be a designer for real. I want to be a web dev for real, which ironically I stopped being almost immediately after getting that job. But you know, I dropped it and, um, and then, yeah, they, they took a chance on me. And I, I want to tell you one more thing, which is that they paid for my relocation. They said, you know, here's $10,000 to move from Arizona to SF. And me being, you know, 20 or 21, I can't even remember the exact age. I was like, $10,000 is the most I've ever seen in my bank account. And I immediately bought a PlayStation 4 
<laughs> I bought a PlayStation 4. I bought a MacBook. It's not and a couple relapsing. Of other things. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. I'm quitting gaming, but I'm getting this new. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I bought a, a like a dedicated MacBook because I was working from a PC at the time, and it was just really hard to like collaborate with with their like file system. And then by the time that I got there, I like didn't have enough for an apartment. <laughs> Oh, so what did you do? I actually stayed with the um, the founder of uh, the the fashion website. It's like a fashion reselling website, Grailed, Grailed.com. So if anybody's watching this and knows Grailed, I was his roommate. I was offered the first designer job, and I said no. Are they like a big company right now? And you're like, oh, my God, I should have taken it. Yeah, yeah, their pay is really good. And they have like a really cool like summer schedule where they have like mental health Fridays, so, like take every Friday off. And like, yeah, they just have a ton of you know paid time off and like treat their employees really well yeah what was san francisco like <laughs> to me my experience i've only visited a few times last year i was there it was kind of like every yeah. time i'm there I'm, i think it's like a weird city last time i was there i'm like oh my god this like i can't believe people live here uh, <laughs> although it it, it kind of li looked like a ghost town like last time i was there it feels like a really bizarre place to live yeah you know it used to be a lot different when i was younger um i think that now it feels almost like the city kind of stumbled during the pandemic and kind of never recovered. But when I was younger, it was a lot different. At one point, I had a conversation with my ex-girlfriend when we were together there. And it was like, you know, I could see myself living here, like buying a home and living here. It was cleaner back then. The nightlife was later. Mental health and homeless population sort of exploding after around 2015 really put a huge dent in the city. So, you know, my girlfriend, my current girlfriend and I, we ended up moving away because, you know, we just didn't see any of those problems. Was, was that the better. reason you moved away? The reason I moved away were, I mean, there's, there's a multitude of reasons. One being I had lived there for 11 years and I, was, I got kind of bored with it. I mean, it's seven miles by seven miles and you kind of reach a point where you're like, okay, I've kind of seen all of it. I've eaten the things that I wanted to eat and eat that doesn't. It's not a sentence, but no, no, that's um, I completely understand what you yeah, were about to say. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I completely I like, understand what you want to say. If there's nothing I, else to eat here anymore, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. There's there's nothing else to do, and and New York City felt like sort of the upgrade. You know what I mean? It was like we've done all the things here. Rent is really high. Let's get out of here. And so we decided to to move to Brooklyn from that. How do you feel about that? We love it here. Yeah, the food is amazing. Awesome. We loved it. Just like there's legitimate culture everywhere you go like if if you want you know um malaysian food if you want a specific type of like south indian food or like a trinidadian indian fusion like go to the farmer's market on the weekend or get a loaf of bread from there like it's it's just like the most multicultural place that i've ever lived and I love that anything that I want to do is within walking distance or if I can't walk, I can bike. And if I can't bike, I can train and everything is like within 30 minutes. Like you can't beat that. You can train in, in, in you know, 20 minutes for $2 and 75 cents. It's yeah. super accessible for everybody, which I love. That's awesome. So at what point did you move to freelance? So I wrote a, a blog post about this and um, it was pretty uh, scathing. <laughs> But, what does that um, mean? So in in I was working at a product design job uh, before freelance for about two and a half years for this company called Jumbo Privacy. I was their lead product designer. I had taken over from someone who had previously worked there and he kind of like 
started the whole thing. And then when I came in, I was like, okay, I'm, we're going to, we're going to really do this right. We're going to create a design system. We're going to create a whole new brand, we're gonna create a website, all that stuff. And slowly over the course of that two and a half years, I felt like the power that I initially had to sort of, you know, start it up and, and really get that system in place and get equip all the engineers and all the PMs with the ability to like design their own um, screens, their own features was starting to erode as the CEO and startup founder, um, you know, would jump between teams and kind of like get his hand in there and, and decide things. And I think that's like one of the things that I didn't like about smaller startups was that the founder is still very close to the product. And you like they that or a didn't lot like of that? Influence. No, I didn't like that. I didn't like Got that it. they had so much influence that it was almost like my knowledge uh, of design was ignored in favor of his gut feeling. Yeah. And, so, and I'm very fair, familiar like, with that. I'm very familiar. Yeah. And like, to be fair, like, I actually completely understand, you know, like going freelance has sort of opened my eyes in that regard that, you know, I do want control over everything. Like I like collaborating sometimes, but I don't really want to work with other people like directly because I want, I, you know, I want to do the design. I want to do the dev. I want to see the whole thing from beginning to end and have that full control. So in that regard, I understand, but the trust thing was really starting to grind me down. And I decided that in late 2021, um, I was just going to quit. Um, I, I have one more thing to add to that, which is like another sort of lucky moment for me, um, I ended up just like a lot of other, uh, just like a lot of other people getting into the whole like Wall Street bets thing on Reddit in 2021 during like a really major bull run of the stock market. And I made a ton of money, like enough oh, wow. to quit my job. So like when people are like, did you have runway? I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I had runway. Wow, that, is a, that is a great story. I had like half a year's worth of runway just to like get going. And that, but to be to be fair, this is super important context because you yeah. know we have a lot of students who come to me. They just like quit their job and they're like, "I need to find clients." And I'm like, ah, "It's best to either transition slowly or you know have some runway because if you're just hey, I need a client tomorrow, you're going to stress and it's not going to be the right thing for you." So it's it's really important to not be stressed. I think you you're very lucky in that sense. Yeah, and like even with the runway, like I really blew through quite a bit of it in the first three months, just looking for work. Like I got a little bit of work, but it wasn't enough to really keep that cash flow going. And so the first year of freelance, my cash flow was not even close to what I had already managed to get during, you know, the whole, you know, bull run Wall Street bets thing. So it was a very scary situation for me. So yeah, I mean, like if you've got the runway, sure. But if you don't, you know, that's a really tough situation to be in. Yeah, it was still stressful is what you're saying. I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. So how did the how did it things ended up picking up or like where would you do to to try to find clients? I so I'm trying to remember now because it feels like it was all a blur, like discovering like the flow party community, discovering the webflow community at large and starting to connect with people. And I think that community is one of the things that I kind of excel at is like I love making friends in the community and I love connecting with other people. I love mentoring and, and teaching junior designers. And so that's kind of where like I found my niche. Like I joined the Webflow community, specifically Flow Party, and saw that a lot of the people that were in there were new or they've been doing it for a while 
And the people that had been doing it for a while couldn't really like connect with the new people. They just didn't have the time. And I was like, that's my, that's my niche. That's my in. Like I'm going to Interesting. You know, find it's my actually way. the second time that you're saying this because even the, your first, you know, break was because you were making friends on, on Reddit and stuff like that, yeah. which is also a different type of community. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's very interesting. It's like, I guess, community as a marketing channel, which I think is underrated. Not a lot of people understand how to use community. Yeah. And, and I always tell people that the whole community aspect is really simple in my eyes. I, I think that people overcomplicate it and like, oh, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to market and here's my marketing plan. I'm like, listen, just go in, like be your genuine self because people don't want to buy a marketing version of you. You can save that for the other channels, but be your genuine self, connect with these people and offer up your knowledge for free. You know, I, I had a yeah. friend tell me a long time ago, another designer, sure, you can have the the recipe, but you can't cook like me. And I always think about that. Like here, here, here's, yeah. here's all the knowledge. Uh, but um, I'm still going to design and, and you're going to be, you know, designing in my dust. I'm always trying to think about this again when I see, I guess you can say competitors or, or at least other people who are doing education in the space that we're in. I'm like, okay, I mean, everybody can do tutorials, but I guess people, and that's what I also, what I loved about you and what I'm trying to do with, you know, the other creators that we partner with. It's just because people connect with people yeah. and yeah, this, the style in which you talk and share and, and help people is unique. That's awesome. So now you're working on, you told me like six projects. Sounds quite overwhelming to me. Yeah. The, the past um, three weeks was a lot. Uh, you know, I've, I've been a designer for a little over 11 years now, and I've worked on really hard projects and I worked on really easy projects, but the last three to four weeks was the hardest I've ever worked in my entire career. I was working 14 hour days almost every single day, except for maybe like one Sunday where I was like, I can't, like I need a nap or something. I was working on the, the Reloom site builder. I was working on um, a website. On the that, product or on the, uh, on the marketing site? On the marketing site, yeah. I designed, wrote the copy and built the marketing site. Yeah, um, nice. And then, you know, had to market it afterwards, of course. Um, I was doing videos for the Reloom guys. I was working on a website called Fountflows. Uh, I was working on a, a new agency site for Contact Studios um, that should be launching soon. I think by the time that this video comes out, it'll have launched. And then a, a couple of others. I have like a note card. I have like a like a stack of note cards here. That's like okay. So I don't know to, to, if to ask like what was hard. The fact that you had to work so many hours. The context, which like the like what was difficult, or maybe even why did you do it? <laughs> like was it for the money? Was it just like not wanting to disappoint people? What like yeah, it was a it was a combination of bad timing a bit of not wanting to disappoint people and then also a bit of like i would love this opportunity kind of thing like yeah i don't want to miss out on yeah this. like i had a i had a couple of or a couple of projects that i had already said yes to and those were going smoothly and then reloom came along dan and adam and they were like hey you know we really want you to build the site builder uh, marketing site and i was like yes like i i absolutely how did you get how did you get a relationship with them that's really awesome I think that it actually came from a bit of Webflow conference, which like, got it. Yeah. If you're thinking of going to Webflow conference, great way to market. You don't need that rant. You, were, you, were you last year in Webflow conference? Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think there. we did. We meet there. No, no. You were swarmed the no, whole time right. with people asking you a million questions. I was like, nah, I'm, I'm not going to bother <laughs> with it. 
<laughs> that for me, that was like the weirdest experience ever, you know, because you're like, you live your normal life, like a normal person. Yeah. And you get to this one, like, you know, event, like this one hall in which you are famous. Cause there's like yeah. 10 people in the world who know who you are, but they're all in the same place. So it was kind of like, it's weird. It's kind of like, it's a weird sensation. I don't know how to explain it because it's really awkward. Like people are coming, come up to you and tell you, Oh my God, you changed my life. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm just thank a guy. You, I guess. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I'm just a guy. Thank you. Um, yeah. I was hanging out yeah. with uh, Vincent, Vincent Bido the whole time. Yeah. I met and him. and, and I met him. um, everybody was like coming up to me and be like, do you think like I should talk to Vincent? I was like, he's just a French guy. Like he's just go say hi. Yeah. He's a really nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really, it's, it's, it's an awesome community. Really. I was very happy to meet so many in a way, Twitter friends, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. It, it felt that way, but anyway, this year I'm, I'm going to the London event. So this year there is multiple years and I'm, I'm doing a workshop in the London. Yeah. Event, so I'm not going to San Francisco. Remember how we, when I, I mentioned that like, I could just hop on the subway and like go somewhere. That's me for the New York city conference this year. It's like everyone to be flying in and I'm just like get up out of bed take the sea over to the museum <laughs> that's where it's at i think it's like the rally museum go in um come back for dinner <laughs> that's so fun that's very fun yeah but anyway so back to dan and adam um yeah we, we met at webflow conference but um you know slightly before that i had done one of the reloom rumbles with them it was actually with uh, brandon herbal and that was a lot of fun and then they wanted me to come back for like the full sort of bracket and they put me up against joseph barry and I was like, come on. <laughs> Ooh, that's tough. <laughs> I was like, come on. Are you serious? Like, I'll do Joseph Barry, but we're not allowed to animate. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then by the end of the presentation, too, he was like, and then here's how I think that this would animate. And, this, and I was like, yeah, mine's just text. I don't know. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, that's tough. He's good. But they, they just, I remember they mentioned something like they liked the way that I thought about design and the way that I spoke about it. And, and they had actually seen, one of the videos that I did for Flux. Oh, that's awesome. And they were like, we want that too. <laughs> and nice, and nice, so nice. I did a video with them and then they were like, let's do the site builder together because we really like, you know, the way you structure your files and the way you build. So yeah. And that and, and then we're kind of friends nice. too. That's great. Yeah. That's 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 really cool. You're in a crunch right now. I'm actually also in a crunch. I'm trying to get a new website for Flux. And a new Webflow masterclass because we're doing new versions of the course every yeah. time. We're trying to get everything ready for a Webflow conference to launch together with them. So it's a huge crunch. I also have to like work like crazy. And it's also kind of like August and September, which is like I've got kids. So kids are on vacation. And then Ju September is like all the Jewish holidays. So yeah. I'm either working like crazy or on a beach, beach somewhere, but it's like, and it's like repeatedly work super hard vacation, work super hard vacation. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> crazy. I mean, I'm you not... have vacations lined up as well, right? Yeah. So th thankfully, like after that three to four week crunch, um, you know, kind of we'll wrapping, we'll be wrapping things up today, I believe actually. And then in two days going over to Universal and Flora, Universal Studios and Disney World and having a little bit of fun there. And then couple days later after that going to maine taking like a beach vacation so it's a really nice contrast i'm i'm, yeah. I'm not going to bring my laptop to either of them like i've told my clients that's great it you know from these dates i will be completely unreachable which is you know rare for me to completely sort of go off. i don't know why not 
more freelancers feel comfortable saying that that's completely normal and client takes vacations as well i mean yeah sometimes sometimes to our detriment like i know again working in israel where a lot of people take off in august because they have kids and stuff like they would i'm like okay i need you to approve this so we can move into development sorry i'm gone i'll be back in three weeks i'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> you know that happens yeah uh, and i i i think it's you know as long as you give a heads up to your clients i think that's fully legit to to do yeah i i think that the the whole like going fully off the grid thing has been more and more i i don't i don't want to use the word difficult because it hasn't been difficult to just turn off but it's like since i've gone freelance i've become a bit of a workaholic and and I, it's something that I used to kind of despise in like salary jobs. But I think that for me, what does that mean for you? Like what's workaholic for you? Like in my spare time, like I like working now. I, I, I enjoy the work, I think, because like I am generating the, the, the fruits of my labor, you know, like it's not for somebody else. Somebody else isn't getting the money from this. Like I am working hard and I'm getting paid. There's but this just... sounds great. And saying workaholic yeah. implies something bad. Like I'm addicted to it. If I, don't I am it, addicted I to bad it. or I love yeah, it. Like I love not... it. Okay. So is your girlfriend frustrated that you're working all the time and she doesn't get to see you enough? And it like, is it causing problems in your other relationships no. or lives or whatever. No. So I guess tech, maybe technically not, but like sometimes I'll find myself, you know, at the end of the night, like working from bed for a little bit, like, you know, kind of stewing on a problem in my brain for a while and thinking like, ah, oh, I, I have an idea for this. I'm just going to bring my laptop to bed and end up working, you know, two hours while she's completely asleep. But she doesn't mind. Some, a little bit sometimes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So that, that might be a problem. I mean, if there's yeah. resent, resentment or, you know, feeling like, your priorities are yeah 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 it's like it's like a slight concern it's like a, are you okay like are you do you need to catch up on work and it's like i want to catch up on work i'm loving it this is great i think it's an interesting discussion i mean there's a lot of you know work right uh, discussion right now about the work-life balance and it became kind of like i guess politically correct to have work-life balance and if people are like no i want to hustle i enjoy working 12-hour days it's your like your not okay to say that because you're like promoting burnout and stuff like that. And yeah. I have a friend actually, he he's another entrepreneur and he is like, no, I love work. That's like my hobby. I want to do that all night long. Like sometimes I like to play games, but sometimes I like to work. And when I like to work, I don't want you to tell me to shut it off at six just because it's six. I want to keep doing it. So what's what's bad about that? Why 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 is that not healthy? With the whole like addiction to work thing, I do try to keep personal balance where I, I try to recognize like, okay, I'm, I'm doing it too much. I need to, you know, have some dedicated rest. Otherwise I, I might just burn myself out. But I think that a lot of my burnout, my personal burnout comes from the inability to want to work on or for me to make decisions in my freelance life. You know, when I, when I don't have that decision, that's sort of when I, I get burnout. I get tired. Yeah, of... misalignment with the work. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Personally, most days I wake up early and I also get tired early. So usually I feel like late afternoon I become ineffective. So it doesn't yeah. help me if I stay more hours in the office. I'm not going to be productive anymore. Right. So I'm just, I just go. So you're like me, tired in the morning and tired at night. No, no, I'm <laughs> oh. awesome in the morning. I can, I wake up at six, I can start working 6.15. Like oh, I, wow. I'm straight up. Okay. Uh, but then 
around 6 p.m i'm like i'm no good anymore like oh i i understand yeah i, I feel like i kind of turn on in the afternoon like like 2 p.m is like after lunch i've had my afternoon coffee i'm like let's go we're gonna go from two to to six and switching from you know salary life to freelance life that 2 p.m to 6 p.m is so critical for me like i love that that time in the do afternoon. you all, do you do you know the concept of maker's time and manager's time where no you like batch off okay so there's this concept uh popularized by paul graham from y combinator mm -hmm. he, he basically said there's two types of like work like creative work where you need like long stretches of uninterrupted concentration yeah so that's like creator time for us. That's kind of like design time or development time. And then there's like manager time, which is a lot of small tasks where you have context switching and you know, you you're doing calls, you're doing emails, that kind of stuff. If you try to do them together, meaning you're trying to design something, but then a client comes up and you have a phone call and then you're working for 30 minutes and then you have a 30 minutes meeting and then you try to work 30 minutes. You're not going to be able to get into the zone of like deep work that is necessary for like, you know, creative work. So it's, it's a good idea to kind of like batch them. So for me personally, because I'm sharper, I guess, I think better in the morning, yeah. I batch my creative work in the morning. At least I try to when I can. And then afternoon where I'm more tired and stuff like that, I do the small tasks and calls and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's, that's the concept. Yeah. I didn't know that there was like a, like an actual term for it, but I, I think that's kind of something that I already do. Like in the morning, I'll do my sort of like business time, my answering emails, um, getting back to clients on, on like all the different tasks, services or Slack or, you know, whatever. And then opening up my, my godly and my land book and site inspire and clicking through those ultimately never saving any inspiration work and then kind of do that at the end of the day again. So are you working, collaborating on Slack with clients or do they bring you into their workspace and stuff like that for, for you to communicate? I collaborate however clients want me to collaborate. Like I, I, I want to meet them kind of in the middle, you know, like I don't want to, yeah. if I could have my way, I just like, Hey, join my discord. Everybody's going to be on discord. Yeah. <laughs> can see me yeah. playing video games at night. No, I'm just I'm not a Slack person. <laughs> and oh, I'm not whenever either. people ask whenever people ask me to so for now, for example, I'm, I'm working with Webflow on a few things and they're like, okay, so join our Slack and, and we'll like talk there. And I'm like, oh my God, it's so inconvenient for me to there's so many workspaces, so many channels. Yeah. It's like so difficult for me to get into their world. But I guess when I was doing client work, I think Slack wasn't popular enough i guess maybe trello or stuff like yeah. that but now i guess everybody works in slack i think the I I would the like upside of slack for me is like i like to keep my clients updated early and often so i, I you know i like to over communicate rather than leave them in yeah. the dark so you're not gonna like have me working all day and then i post a ticket on trello and i'm like here you go take a look it's like i'll i'll ask them questions throughout the day they can get to it at their mm. own time I update them like, here's what I've accomplished. Here's what I have left. And, you know, I've, I've sent out testimonials and they love that. Like they, they love, they love the ability to sort of contact me at nearly any time of the working day. I know that doesn't work for some people. For me, I am terminally online. If you DM me, if you tweet me, email me, I will answer within minutes. Don't, oh my God, please don't take stressful. that. Please, if you're watching <laughs> this, please don't take that literally. I will do please it. Please do not try this. I will do it. <laughs> But don't, please don't do it to me. I remember when I was active on Instagram. I haven't been active on Instagram for 
over a year or two yeah. years now. But when I was active there and people would DM me, I would feel stressed to reply promptly. Uh, like and on Instagram? Yeah. So stressful. Yeah, that would be so stressful. Now I'm like, <laughs> haven't opened it up. So I, I don't even want to know how many DMs are waiting there. But yeah. Like I, I um, had a, got an email. It's a yesterday. difficult expectations. It's a difficult expectation to maintain. I oh, think. you think so? Like replying immediately? I, well, you have a lar larger following no, than I do. Yeah, I mean, with clients, I think that's great. With clients, that's yeah, that's a good thing to do. But if just like DMs in general, yeah, it's difficult. I love it. I don't know why. I'm addicted to it. Like getting back to people right away. I think, by the way, when you're smaller that's the right thing to do. I mean, when it's not overwhelming, it's probably the right thing to do. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, I'm working with a client right now. It's actually having, I have a kickoff call later today and their finance team emailed me and it was like, the email said like 30 seconds ago and I immediately, they were like, hey, can we get your W-9 form? I immediately sent it to them and she was like, oh, you're here. Like, I didn't, I didn't expect you. And I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just available all the time. My bad. No, that's good. Finance team need to be your best friends in every yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I got paid immediately. <laughs> I recently saw that you were, actually, this was on Twitter as well, where you were kind of like considering moving from Webflow to Framer, checking that out, and you know, like having this discussion, is Webflow big, better for more complex projects? Mm -hmm. And I'll do smaller projects on Framer. And then, hey, why not try and do all the projects on Framer? <laughs> I wanted to check in and see how did that go for you? <laughs> yeah. Um, listen, I love Framer. I think that the Framer community, the Framer community is awesome too, by the way. Like everybody's really generous with like just giving out free, you know, little components or like pieces of code that would, you know, take React. And I don't know React, yeah. so it's great. But I think that some of the interactions in Framer just make it such a frustrating experience for me as like a, a Figma expert, like I consider myself a Figma expert. I know pretty much everything about Figma. I'm really fast at it. Going from Figma to Webflow, very easy connecting the two. Going from Figma to Framer, pretty easy to just, you know, copy design over. But some of those, the, the UX interactions in Framer are so frustrating, like the deep clicking, you know, grouping things together, the way that like, it's not flex stacks, the way that stacks work in Framer. It just feels almost counterintuitive to what you would experience in figma that i am try i'm trying well, how is it different how is it different though it i think that the difference is that framer really wants to default to um it's like setting it to stacks and then uh not hug but it's like fixed position like framer really wants everything to be position absolute like if you're really? not using stacks it's like defaults to position absolute almost almost all the time or position relative. Yeah, but you're supposed to use like stacks is like flex, right? And you yeah. should do do every or like auto layout. It yeah. should be for everything. Right? I, I okay, so I just remembered I think that with stacks, one of my issues is that when you immediately stack something together, it doesn't do like a you know in, in Figma the equivalent to hug, it doesn't do fit. It just says it it's um fixed in, almost immediately. And so you have to, you know, make something a stack and then immediately correct that. And that, that sort of two-step process combined with like the way that clicking and like layer traversal, like going up layers and going down layers works, makes it a very frustrating, slow experience for me. Like in Figma. Interesting. If you hit specifically shift, for interactions. Yeah, specifically for interactions. Like I want speed from the apps that I use. Like I don't want them to be 
smart. I want them to work quickly and get out of the way so I can design what I need to design. So like, okay. In, so your first experience was, this is going to make me much more faster. But then I was like, oh, wait, this actually yeah. takes longer than I expected. Yeah. And interesting take. I think that like people who use Webflow versus Framer, like it's fine. Like if you like one or the other, uh, that, you know, whatever makes you money is ultimately, you know, what I say you should go for. If, if it makes you money and it's fun or one or the other, go ahead and do that. I think that some people avoid Webflow because they don't know how to code or they don't know how like the structure of the web works. Like it's the box just overwhelming model. for them. Yeah, yeah, it's for sure. Feels more overwhelming. Yeah, and and in a way, I also like that Framer sort of enables designers to. I, I almost hesitate to say be a little more creative, like thinking less in sort of a box setting and more in like you know how can this look really cool? How can this look really interesting? So that's kind of like my take on, you know, using one or the other. It's not, it's not very binary. I think what they're, what's interesting and what they're trying to do is a lot of people think that Webflow is a design tool, but it's not a design tool. I mean, you definitely want to know what you're building before you're starting off with Webflow meaning. And that's why it's very helpful to have, you know, a design rating figure. Yeah. But I think what they're trying to do with Framer is to try to make it as both design and development tools. So we're, so it's easier to also experiment with design and maybe kind of like duplicate and have multiple artboards so you can compare what this looks like. So you don't have to design with development in mind, I guess, mm -hmm. is what I'm trying to say. You can start more intuitive and then kind of like structure it. Yeah. I, I, I think that the other thing that maybe is a, a negative as far as framers concerned is that it doesn't teach designers who are interested in being devs, but are scared to learn to code and learn that structure, it doesn't teach them proper semantics. So they're gonna end up putting, you know, multiple H1s on a page and structuring them out of order and not using sections and- Because it's because it's called, because they change the names, like for stacks instead of- Not even, not, not just because they change or... names, but they don't even know what a section is or what its purpose is in terms of SEO or for screen readers. But they do have sections. Mm-hmm, they do. But what I'm saying is in Framer, a designer might not even know to use that particular section, like to change in a tag. Webflow as or, well. Yeah. In Webflow Yo, yeah, you're totally, well. you're totally yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I see, I see people building web, you know, some of our students send us work for review and like people would just throw things into the body. Yep. No sections, no containers. I mean, yeah, no, you're, you're right. Like really it's about learning the semantics of that sort of thing, no matter which tool yeah. you pick. But I think that Framer enables it almost a little easier because if you were to just start designing in Webflow, you're going to run yourself into a hole really quickly because you, you know, you don't know the box model will just break very rapidly. So Maria, you know, Maria from our team, right? So I just had a call with her. She suggests, she thinks that we need to do kind of like an introductory web concepts. Like what is the internet? Or video. Not what is the internet, but like some major concepts that are true, whether you're coding by hand yeah. or using Webflow or using Framer, just like understand these concepts. Like what, what is the box model? What is sections, containers? Why do we use them and so forth? Because no, no matter how you're going to build, it's going to be necessary. And it's basically what she argues is it doesn't have to be software dependent, like because, you know, we, we try to teach it 
in the Webflow course or in the framework course. Yeah. But she's just like, people need to know it before they even get to the software, which is an interesting I agree. approach. Yeah, no. Yeah. And and she's like, she's a very, you know, adamant person about like the web has to be just right. Like I don't care. She doesn't care what you design, what it looks like. But but if you're looking at the structure, it needs to be exactly on. Otherwise, yeah. she'll come for you, which is like yeah. what I love her for. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. Awesome. So you've mentioned and maybe i'm getting this right mm -hmm. uh wrong but that like critiquing in the design community has become kind of like a taboo <laughs> yeah i want to know i want to know what you mean by that i feel like over the years you know as as more and more designers are sort of not going to school right they're not going through the process of having critique from a real teacher or from their peers in person and having that sort of battle hardened skin, you know, that can that can take it and not just take the critique, but understand its purpose. A lot of designers are just sort of getting, you know, uh, getting their skills from like, you know, flux and, you know, from like, uh, other like online courses. And so for me, I find that a lot of the critique that I'm that I'm seeing in various communities and through Twitter, and people submitting things online, is that the critique is almost like it, almost like they're afraid to say kind of what their true this intentions sucks. are yeah they're afraid to say <laughs> it sucks i'm trying to be nice here but yes they're afraid Dude, to... this is like first of all i i personally because i went to design school i yeah. know the importance of this and this is honestly one of the pillars of what we are trying to do with our community yeah is doing the critiques and First of all, we have office hours every Wednesday where students come and share their work and I yeah. ruin them politely. Not not politely, right? But <laughs> the, the, thing, <laughs> the thing about me is that I am very direct. Like I've got no problem to tell I love that. people yeah. that I think they're wrong or it's bad. I've actually, even in design school, I used to do it. And you've done that to my emails too. You've You've directly said like, this is not good. We're not using this. And I'll go, this yeah, is great. Okay. <laughs> I love the way you're speaking about this. Yeah. But <clears throat> yeah. And I do understand what you're saying about people taking it the wrong way. I mean, I had some girls in class starting to cry <clears throat> because they thought I'm saying these things just to show how bad they are or offend them or, you know, whatever, condescend yeah. or whatever. But I personally think, and I know how much it helped me that this is the best thing that you can do to people. And honestly, you know, we have our mentors team and the, usually the only comment that I give them is you need to be harder on them because yeah. the tendency of people is really to try to be nice and non-confrontational, especially, and by the way, it's also cultural, culture dependent. I come from Israel, which is a right. very, very direct <clears throat> To the oh, point yeah. of even aggressive confrontational uh, communication. So I'm very cool with that. But a lot of people, especially European people, uh, are very kind of like, I don't want to offend people, you know, and, and to the point where they will not say the problem because they don't want to hurt people. Uh, yeah. So I try to, I try to create this, you know, culture of honest feedback because I agree with you. I think that it's, it's crucial for growth. You can't just learn by watching tutorials because you'll, you know, watching videos, you will do something. It's not good enough. If nobody's going to tell you what's not working there, you're not going to grow. You're not going to improve. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. And if you work and if you're working in an agency, by the way, that's great because your boss is going to give you the feedback, right? Yeah. Uh, but if you're freelancing and you're just starting out and your portfolio sucks and you're sending it to either clients or you're just trying to get clients or trying to get a job, nobody's going to help you. And that's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, nobody's going to take the time to help you either yeah. unless you yeah. truly yeah. ask for it. Like when I was in school, I, I think I had confused critique because I, I thought that its intention was to, I'm, I'm totally serious about this. I thought its intention was to like, really like grind on the student and like tell them that their work was bad. And like, a, you know, it was like a, it was like a contest, like who could upset each other the most. And then as I started to, you know, design more and more and, and grow and have a, my first creative director, my first boss at, at the first agency, I learned that, you know, its real intention is for everybody to win. Like you don't want bad design work at an agency because that makes the whole agency look bad. That makes your boss look bad. But with freelance, the only person that's gonna look bad is you. So naturally, no one's going to chime in and say like, this looks really bad because it's just you delivering work to the client. You probably don't really wanna hear that. So like, you know, for me now, I think that I do wanna, you know, I wanna be honest. I want these people to approach me and like ask for feedback. Like I love giving feedback because I'm not in it to make you upset. I'm not in it because I think it's fun to dunk on your work. I'm in it because I want to see you win because I can see the potential in you and you're not drawing from that potential. And I want to write the ship. And I think that's where like a lot of the online discourse goes wrong. It's like, oh, it looks so good. It's like, oh, is this dribble in 2016? Like, why isn't any of this work improving? It's because everybody says you're good. And so you think you're good and you're not asking for the feedback that you need to be asking for. You need to be right. I've got so many things to say. So and number one, it can be confusing because sometimes, specifically on Twitter, people can trash other people and it, it might be concealed as critique, but they just want to trash other people because that's what you do on Twitter sometimes, yeah. not because it's helpful for people to grow and stuff like that. So that's kind of like, I'm putting that to the side and that needs to be separate and perhaps the feedback is private or whatever. The, the other thing is, <clears throat> I think a lot of people are afraid to ask for feedback because mm -hmm. they are, you know, they've worked so much and they've put their heart and soul into the work and they're connected to it. And they, the last thing they want to hear is now that I've finally completed it, that I need to do it all over again and that it's not good enough. Yeah. Because deep inside, yeah. I know that I'm not good enough and I am, I don't want to admit it or, you know, I'm giving myself a hard time about it. I don't need somebody else to tell me that I'm not good enough. So there's this, it requires a little bit of, I guess, maturity to be able to say, first of all, the fact that I can improve as a designer does not mean that me personally, I'm not valuable. I'm not a good enough person. That doesn't mean we're trying to improve skills. It's got nothing to do yeah. with your personal worth and stuff like that. Separate that because it's very common for people to, you know, feel that if I'm not a good enough designer, I'm not good enough at all. So that's that. The last thing that I wanted to say is that, look, if you're going to work, it doesn't matter if you're going to work with an agency or you're going to work with clients, the clients are going to give you feedback anyway. Yeah. This is not a one-way <laughs> one way process where you send stuff. They say, great, here's the money. <laughs> it's good. <Yeah. laughs> they, they will always have feedback. And if you don't learn how to handle feedback, how to adapt your, how to listen to other people, 
you're not the only stakeholder and you're not the the one who knows best about the product. If you don't know how to listen and adjust, then it's going to be very difficult for you to succeed, you know, going forward. So it's yeah. a very important to develop that skill of being open to feedback, asking for feedback, wanting people not just to be nice to you, but to tell you the truth and then not have resentment when you're either your boss or your client tells you, oh, I don't like this. Yeah. Just l learn how to work with it, right? Learn to find find what's not working. I think some of it too comes from like internalizing our work and 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 considering it to be like this, you know, big work of art. But websites are ultimately like very ephemeral. A lot of the websites that we probably frequent like, you know, Reddit or eBay or Google or something, they've been around for quite a while. But like if you think about it, YouTube has only been around since 2006. And most of the websites that I've ever built are either, you know, modified significantly and and I'm like, oh, well, you shouldn't have done that. Or they're completely gone because they've died. And that's just something that you have to get used to. And you will as you start to build more and more websites. But could you imagine going to like a car mechanic and you're like, hey, my car's not working. Can you fix it? This is a, this is a, a metaphor, by the way. And the, you're like, hey, my, my transmission's acting up, I think. I don't know. Will you, will you fix it? And they're like, yeah, sure. And, you know, you come back five days later and they haven't updated you at all. And they're like, isn't it great? isn't your car great now? And you drive it and it's like worse than before. And you tell them and the car mechanics like, no, no, no. Like, I don't, I can't hear that. I can't do this right now. Like, I, I guess I'm not cut out to be a car mechanic. No, they're, you know, they're going to learn why again, they're going to, they're going to open it up and they're going to get better and they're, they're going to learn. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> so you have to get used to it. Yeah. That's part of the, that's in the job requirement for sure. Yeah. All right, Devin. It's been awesome to chat. Any, are you, yeah. Any... Are you coming? Are you coming to the New York uh, event? No, yeah. no, no, I won't be able to make it. Okay. Well, we'll miss each other then. Yeah, but we will. I will come to New York for other reasons because I love. Oh, it. cool. Yeah. And Let me know. Yeah. When... yeah. Yeah. We'll do for sure. Any any kind of like <laughs> last famous last words where people should hit you up, send you DM so you can reply in a minute and stuff like that. Yeah. Listen, I will never just never finish my portfolio. So just follow me on Twitter at Devin S Fountain. I post all my work there. I talk about all my work all the time. If you want to send me work and you want me to take a look, I'm happy to take a look, shoot you back a clean shot video or loom, whatever you prefer. I have no words of wisdom. I'm a freelancer just like everyone else. I'm still learning along the way. I'm, I'm busy. I'm having problems too. <laughs> Everybody does. <laughs> everybody yeah. does thanks my friend it's been awesome to chat yeah of course i'll talk to you soon